0: what's going on everybody daryl freighter the club ceo here and we have another amazing episode of the my dj story podcast brought to you by the club app the number one live streaming app for djs and party goers today we have a special guest my brother fly guy brother can you please introduce yourself tell people who you are and where you're from
1: what's happening y'all glad to be here first of all thank you for having me uh dj fly guy represent the city of miami
0: Awesome, man. We're super excited to have you here on the podcast. This is the My DJ Story podcast. So we want to hear your story as a DJ. So walk us through the beginning. You know, How did you get started as a DJ and give us some of that intro story of you getting started?
1: Let's see. I don't know how much time you got, but I'll try to give you a condensed version of the story. Um, uh, It's my second time living in Miami. So prior to moving back here, I was living in Brooklyn and I was heavy into the underground hip hop scene uh, as a rapper. And when I came back down here in 2008, I realized that there wasn't really a large market for independent artists to get their art out. So that kind of turned into a little bit of a depression. And a friend of mine suggested that I go check out this old school hip hop party because, you know, I love I love old school music, you know, I'm an 80s baby. So 90s hip hop does it for me. Um, and I went and my two older brothers DJed. So when I was going to the party, just attending it, I thought to myself, like, you know, I bet if I was on that stage, like these guys, I could make this room of people move just as good um, because I had the musical knowledge and, you know, I'm a child of hip hop. So for me, it was a simple transition from MCing to DJing. So uh, I got my start basically DJing the last 30 minutes in an old school hip hop party from 4.30 a.m. to 5.00 a.m. every Sunday. And that's how I paid my dues, doing it for free for three years. Um, and then that turned into me doing the opening set in the night. And then people started to get familiar with my name and come and see me. And then that transitioned to me landing a spot on VH1 Master the mix a DJ reality show uh, in 2013. And then from there, my career kind of took off since I was on a uh, national television uh, every Monday uh, competing. So, uh, and then that put me in a position to align myself with a company called Headliner Market Group. If anybody has never heard of Live on Sunday, we do Live on Sunday at Live Nightclub here at the Fountain Blue in Miami, and I've been a headliner ever since since uh, two thousand thirteen. So it's been a uh, it's been amazing an, an amazing journey thus far. You know, thirteen years
0: into the business. Wow, man, no, that's super exciting! I love the fact that how you kind of hit the ground running. You had that one opportunity where you jumped in and you were able to do the last thirty minutes of the set every week for free, and you earned your stripes. You did it for three years. Yeah. And then you were able to get your big break, you know, being able to jump into the opportunity with VH1. And it takes a lot of humility to really do something for three years for free. You know, what gave you that mindset that this was the right thing you need to do to break into the industry? I am
1: just the way I'm, I'm brought up, you know, I'm Guyanese and you grew up in a West Indian household, you know, stranger to hard work and to paying dues and to, to you know, having humility inside of yourself and, and understanding that, you know, some some of the best knowledge, you know, it's it's not always about the dollars, it's about the knowledge and how you can acquire that knowledge and then apply it later on. So, and that's what that was for me, was to be around DJs who I thought were great, who were doing great parties and learn from them until I was able to apply what I learned uh, and tweak it to my own style.
0: That's yeah, super interesting. You know, Can you walk us through some of the things that you learned throughout those three years and what you learned from these DJs, some of the tips that might help other DJs out there you know, figure out how they can get that experience as well? What are some of the key learning lessons you got from that experience?
1: Uh, for me, one thing that helped me is understanding showmanship. So again, coming from somebody who was a rapper first and, and knowing how to perform and treating a DJ set like a performance and being able to engage with the crowd with your energy a lot of times the energy you give the crowd is the energy you're gonna get back from them. If you don't look like you're enjoying your set and you're having a boring time, the crowd isn't gonna to respond to you the way that you want. I naturally look like I love what I do because I actually do it. And that oftentimes carries over into the crowd and the audience and it becomes an attraction that people you know, stare at me you know, while I'm, while I'm rocking. So uh, that's one thing. Um, another thing I learned early, early on is um, the moods of music. For example, just because you have two records that are the same BPM or the same tempo, it doesn't necessarily mean they fit together because the mood of the music is different. So you have to learn what what music goes well with what when you're trying to create a mix as opposed to just doing what we call a train wrecking and just smashing records together and, you know, just to play, play music.
0: Yeah, no, I think those are really dope learning lessons. And I like the fact that you mentioned that you had to really do it in a way where you loved what you were doing. And that's super powerful because if you're not enjoying yourself, the crowd feels that energy and they're not gonna be feeling the vibe as you should have them feeling it because you're not really into it. So I'm glad that you're able to, you know, identify, hey, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it right. And I'm gonna make sure that I'm feeling great about this entire process. So that way my audience can get the best experience ever. I think that's super important, you know, what, what did you do to, to get that initial gig that, you know, you're able to do um, once a week for 30 minutes at the end? Um, How did you get your feet in the door for that opportunity?
1: Well, you know, relationships are everything. So I met the DJs first um, and my friend who suggested I go to the party, they were friends with the promoter of the party. So it was the promoter and then his partner was the DJ slash promoter of it. And then I met the third DJ. And I told them, well, I, I found out about this place through my friend, and they're like, oh, well, if you're friends with that person, then you must be cool. And then that became, oh, um, I was thinking about trying to DJ. Um, can you guys, can one of you teach me? And they were like, no. Um, if you're gonna try to do this, you gotta learn on your own. So that's when I went and saved with a little money I had because I just had my daughter at the time, and I scraped together a little money, bought a MacBook uh, computer and started to teach myself about the mechanics and the technical aspect of DJing. Because it's more than just the music, you, actually, you have to actually know how to operate the equipment. And back then, 2008, when I started, even though I started in the Serato era, I played on turntables, on Technics 1200s. And a lot of guys, you know, they start, even new DJs now, they start on a controller and they've never touched a pair of turntables or even CDJs. So starting on turntables, I'm able to. I've been able to master turntables, TDJs, and now controllers. So, um, but yeah, relationships is everything. So once they find out I was cool, and they were like, you know, you got to learn on your own. I said, okay, I think I'm ready. They said, well, you're not about to play prime time, but you, you know, if you can wait around till the end of the night, you can get on and do the last thirty minutes. So I would get there at nine p.m. The party would start at ten, and I wouldn't get on until four thirty.
0: Wow. Everything. Yeah. Wow. That's dedication, bro. You know, just sitting around waiting for that last set uh, to earn your stripes, you know, that really takes a lot. And I mean, you really were into it. You really wanted this and you did whatever it took to get to where you're at, man. You know, walk me through, you know, after that experience and you were able to get that big break with the VH1 show, how did that come about? You know, how'd you work your way into that opportunity and and, and give us some insight on how it went?
1: Well, they were actually, what they were doing were they were taking submissions via YouTube from DJs across the country or across the world, really. But the show was being filmed in Miami. So they had six uh, auditions in different cities around the country. And when they got to Miami, a friend of mine said, hey, I heard that there's an audition for a DJ show. I didn't know it was VH1. But I said, okay, well, I'll go and I'll go try my shot. And I tried it and I, I got
0: casted. Wow. Yeah, do you so think that think, there was anything in particular that kind of stood out about uh your application or, or your casting or you know how yeah. did you prepare for it just walk me through like the journey
1: well at the time i was being uh, sponsored by vitamin water so i showed up to the audition with with uh six girls from vitamin water and gave out vitamin water to all the uh the casting casting department so that kind of put me uh on their radar So said okay this is different um, because I remember back in the day, Cisco from Hill used to walk around with these girls called the Cisco Six Pack. He used to have six girls with him everywhere he went. So when I showed them the six Vitamin Water girls and I gave free Vitamin Water out to everybody, it kind of pushed me ahead of the line to go in and then do my audition. Because if you're, you know, you're sitting in there and you're trying to go through 30, 40 DJs to play in front of you, you're gonna get tired, sleepy, and so I was able to go early on and stay on their minds, and then they called me back the next day brought me in for an interview because they wanted to see how well you do on camera, how you look on camera. Then I passed that part and they called me back again and said, yeah, you've been casted. So they went from 2,000 uh, submissions down to 200, down to me making uh, the top 12.
0: Wow, man. I think that one thing that you did extremely well, you figure out that, hey, if I just apply and I'm just like every other of the 2,000 teachers here, I'm not going to stand out. And right. you thought about all the assets and resources that you have and you put them together and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in. I'm going to make a splash. And that's what you really did. You you really just came in and, and stood out out of the crowd, uh, which is super important. Because even if you're not applying to different opportunities like this, you're even trying to get clientele. You have to stand out. There are a lot of DJs out there. So thinking about what is your unique differentiator to be able to stand out in the crowd is important for you. As a DJ, to be able to do that, so you can build your brand, get more bookings, and just move forward in whatever goals you have for your DJ career. You know, I would love to hear, you know, what was being on the show like, and how did it ultimately help or impact your DJ career?
1: Um, it was, it was, it was an incredible experience. It was good at times, and it was terrible at times. Um, you know, the the show was sponsored by Smirnoff. Uh, swearing off vodka so there was a lot of drinking uh, going on like you know that's what they do with reality TV (laughs) Um, and what it did was I was put up against the 11 other DJs eight of them were like national champions and world champions and guys that have been DJing for 20 years and at that point I was only five years in so you get a lot of a flack from them. Like, you know, you, you're a newbie, you're a novice, you know, what do you know about DJ culture? And, you know, and I'm like, I know more about music than you do. Trust me, you just happen to know the, the machinery better than me. But, um, so, it was, so it was a lot of that. Um, there was 10 episodes. The episode that I went home on was episode seven. So I made it pretty far uh, in the competition because it was for a quarter million dollars. So, um, you know, it, it was pressure. <laughs> Um, And then we would judge uh, live every episode by Kid Capri and then a female DJ and then a music executive. So, again, being they were filming it in Miami, I was looked at as the hometown hero. So people were coming to the live taping, cheering me on, rooting for me because they've seen me in parties already and they were expecting me to win. But the episode that I got sent home on, I knew it was going to happen because at that point I wasn't proficient in the required skill for that uh, test that day. And I, so when they announced the test, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going home tonight, I already know. What I didn't expect was for me to have an emotional breakdown and cry on national television, but I did. In, uh, because my routine was so bad that people in the crowd started crying, girls in the crowd started crying because they just saw like that it was over, that it was just like, nah, he's he messed up. Um, and then I had to go do my off-camera interview when they're asking so how do you feel and I'm like I had to break down and then pack my stuff and had to leave and then people on Twitter started calling me DJ Cry guy and you know real DJs don't cry and you know it was it was um it, it was tough to deal with at the time but it, it built my character and it made me take my craft even more seriously than I did at that point.
0: Wow that's an interesting story and thank you for being so open and candid with sharing that man you know people think that it's all about being all tough and being and hiding all your emotions not really showing you know who you are how you're feeling and it's okay if you're emotional it's okay if you have these moments and just being able to own it is very important and not you know feeling bad about crying on, on national TV that's not something to be upset about. I'm glad that you you rolled with the punches and you just kept it moving.
1: Listen, DJs go through a lot, man. I don't think people understand, you know, the, the the mental strain it is on us to have to come out and entertain you guys night after night, regardless of what we're going through, you know? So, and, and a lot of us, unfortunately, we try to find coping mechanisms for what it is we go through. And that can either be alcohol, drugs, women, you know, whatever vice is your vice. And, and I, I think the mystique of our profession that looks like it's all fun and games misleads people, Into what we deal with mentally and emotionally and psychologically because it is a very 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 stressful uh career path so you know to young djs out there that are trying to get into it like it's not all glitz and glamour and girls and free liquor and like it 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 comes with a a price
0: yeah man and talk to me you know what are some of the things or some of the tangible, you know, headaches or things that DJs should be mindful of when they're choosing to go down this path, you know, give some insight on some of the things that people may think that, oh, this is really amazing and beautiful and easy. But then when they get into it, these are some of the hurdles they're going to face that they should know before they get into this game.
1: Well, for one thing, you know, it's very difficult being uh, uh, a Black DJ trying to DJ in a white venue, right? Because they associate you with if you're black or urban as now they call it then the people that are going to come are ghetto and they don't want that crowd there so that's number one so you're already kind of put into a box of only being able to dj hip-hop parties or urban parties or urban venues or whatever and that's that's a stigma that took me a lot of years to to break out of i mean i've broken out of that you know long, long time ago but it was something that i had to deal with and even sometimes it's still like you still get looked over when you're trying to get a booking somewhere at a particular venue just because of the color of the skin. That's number one. Uh, number two, if you actually care about the craft and the music and what you do behind those, those turntables, and for example, a club owner or club manager comes to you and says, I need you to play this song because that table over there just spent $10,000 and they want to hear uh, Sweet Home Alabama. So play it right now. You got to play it for these six people at this table and change the entire energy in the room, and you were just playing Migos or 2 Chains or something for a, a thousand other people, but now you're playing Sweet Home Alabama, and nobody, the people in the crowd don't know that this table is spending that money, that that's what they wanna hear. They're just looking at you like, what the hell is this DJ doing? So th- those are the kind of the stresses that, you know, <laughs> you gotta be prepared for if you're doing high level venues and parties where people are spending $10,000 on alcohol.
0: Wow. That's interesting. I feel like a lot of people probably don't know about these difficulties, about being pressured to play certain songs, at certain time to appease certain customers. Um, how did you end up going about that situation? Did you do it right away? Did you transition into it after a little while? How did you take care of that situation? And how should others, if they ever feel that pressure from club owners or, or their customers?
1: I played, I mean, I played it, you know, uh, maybe I gave it one or two songs before, but the thing the thing about it is it's just not playing the song, it's playing it when their bottles come out to that table. So you have to have it ready to go. Once the bottle parade comes and the confetti goes, then you have to play the song because that's the whole point. They want to take their phones out and videotape themselves, dance in the sweet home Alabama with a bunch of champagne in front of their face while the confetti's falling over them. And then after all that, then you got to try to salvage what energy is left in the room and get back to the party. And it's not, it's not as easy as you might think. You might think.
0: Yeah, no, that's difficult. And I feel like some people don't really understand the detail of what DJs have to do and how they play an integral role in events, parties, nightclubs, and all types of different various events. Um, I- I'm glad that you shared that because sometimes People don't really understand the, the detail and, and the intricacies of your job as a DJ and how you can really play an important role in all these events.
1: Um, Listen, it, it starts and ends with us. I don't want any up-and-coming DJ to let uh, a, a club owner, a manager, a promoter, a, a waitress make you feel any different. Like We are the driving force behind a party and an event because without the music, there is no party. And that, with that, you gotta respect that. You gotta respect what we do as art because we are artists. This is art that we're doing. This is musical audio art that you are witnessing and, and, and absorbing right now. And that's why we don't we don't like requests either. Like DJs don't like requests. So you know. And if you know, and if you're gonna make a request, like like your shirt says, tip the DJ. You
0: know, definitely. And uh, before we move on uh, to what came after um, the uh, the show the vh1 show if you had to go back in time and do it again would you go on that show
1: yeah absolutely absolutely Wonderful. you know I mean listen for my mother being able to turn on vh1 Monday nights at 10 o'clock and watch her son do what he loves doing and my friends and everybody that that you know support me and have wanted to see me win since I started this I would definitely do it again you know um and and I think I I can't be sure but I think everyone who was on that show would do it again also because you can't you can't buy that type of promotion and publicity and you know it's it's it was a great great opportunity man I'm always grateful to, to the guys who created that that show and gave me that that chance
0: and if another show were to start would you be interested in being on it no never not, again
1: not, not 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 as far as like a DJ competition show you know, but if it's if it's another show and I'm maybe like mentoring somebody, sure. But as far as competing, like I think I'm past. I'm past. I'm past that stage. Like I just did a DJ battle November 2019 out here at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino, and I won second place in that. And you know, and I, at that point I was like, that was coming off of winning a Jameson DJ battle where I won that one. So I'm like, you know what? I think I've gotten all the, the, the competing, you know, out of me. So it's hard enough competing every day just. I'm trying to make sure my calendar stays full with
0: gigs i uh, gotcha gotcha man awesome no thanks for sharing that and what we're gonna do we are having a great interview here with my brother dj fly guy we're gonna take a quick commercial break but when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit about what you're currently doing now Um, and a little bit about the presence you know you're working with headliner and doing a lot of things um, in the industry in miami so we're gonna do that when we come back And we're back with the My DJ Story podcast. We're here with my brother, DJ Fly Guy from Miami, Florida. And he's telling an amazing story about his story in the DJ industry. So when we left, we're just talking about the VH1 show that you did and how that was able to lead into your next opportunity. So where did you go after you were able to, you know, make very far on that show and kind of continue your DJ career after that?
1: Uh, that's when I got with a headliner market group and started DJing with them. And, and then uh, I got signed to the DJ booking agency and, started traveling around the world. So I went to uh, Switzerland, I went to Paris, I went to Japan, to China, all through the Caribbean uh, DJing, uh, even down to my home country, back down in Guyana, in South America. So, uh, you know, that's why I say like the show really put me on a, on a catapult to the next level of my career.
0: That's awesome. And talk to me about that marketing agency. Did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them? How did you get connected?
1: Uh, with, with Headline and Market Group, um, the guy, the CEO heard me and saw me playing at a an event for a Chevrolet. And I guess he liked my style. Um, and you know, it was something different that he had never really heard before. And he inquired about me to his friend who threw the event. And then she hit me up and said, hey, I think these people are, you know, wanna book you to play. And then I, I didn't think it was gonna be, I was gonna be part of the family or part of the company. I just went and did the gig, but then that just turned into the week after the next week after the next week and then you know relationships just grew from there and now that's like headline is my family
0: wow and from that initial introduction you're still with the company right now and they're still helping you yeah. get more gigs and such like that
1: yep yep like eight nine years nine years later yeah wow yeah, man. Now, you know we do we do the biggest the biggest uh you know party arguably in the country in the world live on sunday story on thursday um, you know we do the overtown music and arts festival here in miami that's 10,000 people, you know, every time we've been doing it for six years so far. Free concert, you know, for the community with every R&B soul act you can think of, you know, that comes down here and, you know, it's just free for the city. So, you know, doing big things, man. Shout out to my man, Mike Gardner, the CEO
0: awesome man and congrats on all your success you've had a a 13 year exciting journey um it's been great explosive growth and great opportunities for you in a short amount of time relative um to you know how long some other djs have been doing it and still haven't been able to reach to the heights that you have so congrats you did all the right things and um, by the grace of god you're able to make it to this point um and doing an amazing job you know i would love to hear you know what are some things that djs should be doing in this time to best position themselves with their DJ brand, their business, and their career as a DJ?
1: Um, practicing for one, like honing your craft is number one. Um, because that's what it's very, it's very easy to be mediocre as a DJ nowadays, because technology does a lot of the work for you. Um, but what you can't fake is music knowledge. You know, because if you're gonna play music that sounds like the other DJ said and that sounds like the other guy said or the other girl said then what's gonna differentiate. So knowing your music and honing your craft is, is one thing because we all have the same tools. We all have the same machinery. We all have the same MP3 songs, but it's what we do with the music that makes us different. Um, another thing is learning how to market yourself because especially in a city like Miami, which is highly competitive, you know, it's like out of sight, out of mind. You gotta be able to, stay on people's minds. You know, the public, the fans, the supporters, the people that are gonna come see you, who are gonna pay money to come see you. You gotta stay on the minds of the club owners, the venues, the promoters, the managers, you know, and and because we live in the social media era, a large part of that is your social media presence and how you market yourself and how you appear and, you know, make yourself valuable. You
0: know, that's one thing we love to talk about on this podcast, branding. You know, your name is DJ Fly Guy. Talk to me about a little bit how you were able to, you know, get that name, and talk to me a little bit about how you go about branding yourself.
1: Um, I, Well, I got the name Fly Guy before I started DJing, but when I started DJing, I figured I got well. I need a name. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna use my real name. So I figured well these girls have been calling me fly for the way I dress and how I carry myself. So i just use fly guys. So, because I used to DJ in bow ties and blazers and, and you know, when I was uh, just starting, but th- then I realized like how hot it gets in the club when you're actually spinning. <laughs> so that I had, to, I had to let that go. But um, but that's how the name uh, originated. So and just being somebody that's 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 cool and just respectable and can mean that's fly. Like when you're respectable and you're honorable and and you know you have good intentions, like that's fly. You know, fly is not about being having the most expensive things or, or you know having an ego or none of that. At least not for me. So what makes me fly is like being humble, being cool, and being somebody that that, that people genuinely like and being passionate about about my art.
0: That's awesome, man. It really rubs off very genuinely. I could just see just the way you carry yourself that uh, you really hold on to your brand and it's really a reflection of yourself as a DJ and the brand that you're building as DJ fly guy, you know, for DJs that are out there that are struggling in regards to their process or how they go about building their brand. What is some advice that you may have for a DJ that doesn't really know what to do to have that brand presence and really build a name for themselves?
1: Uh, I mean, now nowadays you can kind of learn so many things on YouTube. You know, you can watch you know marketing videos and marketing strategies and how to market yourself, um, and also have a have a have a conversation with yourself about who are you as a DJ. What do you represent? What do you want your reputation to be? What do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for playing great house music, EDM? Do you want to be the greatest reggae DJ in your city? You know, what is it that speaks to you that people can identify with and then latch on to and like. And I think once people have that talk with themselves and figure out their voice as a DJ, then they can start the process of learning how to market and promote that brand.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And I love the fact that in regards to brand building, um, you're able to really capture the real genuine self of yourself and and really add it on to who you are the brand um just kind of what we said in the beginning you got to have fun while doing it if you're not being your genuine self you're not going to enjoy what you're doing and you're not going to be able to have that tight brand that people can feel that strong relationship with so um yeah. you've done a tremendous job and that's great advice of how you have built your brand um, I would love to, you know, get some highlights of two things that you're focused on now. And what are some of your goals for the future? You know, what can we see from DJ Fly Guy as we go forward?
1: Well, during, the, during quarantine of 2020, I actually, uh, fell back in love with an old passion of mine, which is photography. And I was able to publish, self-publish my first book of photography called To Miami With Love. And people can actually check that out on to And it's my it's me covering the city of Miami 2020 pandemic and quarantine life and the George Floyd protests through my eye uh, from being behind the camera because I'm somebody who's been photographed and videotaped, you know, for the past decade as an entertainer, but now being that I had a passion for photography in high school and I had no DJ work to do all 2020, uh, I was able to get back to that and, and go out in my city and, and capture the life going on around me. and. It's done pretty well so far, man. I've actually had two photo uh, exhibits in art galleries here, um, and I created a documentary in the midst of all of that called Pivot, which is now on Vimeo, and I'm actually premiering the documentary uh, this Saturday night uh, at an art gallery. So it's been a lot a lot going on, a lot of work happening. Um, next week, I go to New York to DJ at the U.S. Open, so I'll be in Flushing uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium, DJing for the U.S. Open. So very excited about that. And, uh then come back and do Miami Carnival.
0: Wow, man, you're doing a lot and you have a lot of talents, man. So keep up the great work, man. I think that you're a super talented brother doing some really great things and look forward to supporting you whatever whatever ways we can, um, with what we're doing with the club. Um, so before we jump into our lightning round, do you have any other parting piece of, of advice for any DJs out there that are looking to follow your footsteps and really build a name for themselves and have fun while doing it? Just,
1: just be you. You know don't don't let yourself get caught up in in the limelight and the hype of what nightlife is uh because it it, it can it can drain you it can drain your soul and that and I, and I say that with all honesty because it almost happened to me so you know if you're a good person continue to be a good person don't let money change you you know continue to be respectful of those around you you know one people The one thing people know about me is I treat the bathroom attendant the same way I treat the club owner, with the same level of respect. Nobody's any better or worse than the other person. And that's been something that I pride myself on my whole career. So just continue to be you and and be genuine and it'll get you further than you may think right now.
0: Awesome advice, man. We're going to jump into the lightning round. Are you ready? Ready. Let's do it. Describe your DJ setup, hardware and software.
1: My DJ setup is, depends on the venue, but it's either going to be turntables, CDJs, or a controller. It just depends on where I'm at for hardware. The software is Serato DJ Pro.
0: Who's your favorite DJ?
1: My favorite DJ, hmm, that's a good one, would probably be
0: hmm, Jazzy Jeff. What has been your favorite party or event you've DJ'd at, and what made it special?
1: Ah, uh, see, that's a loaded question, man, because everything has everything is special in its own right. I mean, I love when I get to DJ live on Sunday because it's the greatest party in the world. <laughs> you know, um, it's 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 the who's who of celebrities and and it's the party that everybody wants to be at. But I also love another party I do called Backyard Boogie at Wood Tavern, where I get to be musically free and play anything I want. Like last week I played Nirvana in the middle of my DJ set and I played uh, Lenny Williams and you know, any night when I could play Lenny Williams, Nirvana, OutKast, Jay-Z and Janet Jackson all in one set, it's a pretty good night.
0: Name some great places to party in your city.
1: Live, Story, Wood Tavern, uh, De La Soul, um, Gee, the list goes on and on man, Uh, 1-800-LUCKY, Coyo, Taco, uh, yeah, I, I could be here for an hour just naming name places.
0: What's one thing that you think is missing from live streaming for DJs? Mm,
1: sorry, Racket is another one, another venue that's very great to party at. It's in Wynwood called Racket. Uh, what was the question? Sorry about that.
0: What's one thing that you think is missing from live streaming for DJs?
1: Compensation, getting paid, you know, uh, I spent a lot, in, in, in the in the midst of creating my book uh, last year during quarantine, I did a lot of Instagram live sets. I came up with a, a, a show called The Fly It Storm, you know, modeled after The Quiet Storm, where I played all R&B, slow jam music late at night, um, and uh, actually Vice Magazine did, did an article and had me featured in it along with DJ Active and D-Nice, um, just talking about live streaming DJs. and. One thing you know that we would really appreciate is being able to get compensated for the time and effort and energy that we put into, especially those of us who designed our Twitch pages. And you know, I know really, you really monetize Twitch, but I know Instagram was a little more of a headache trying to do, you know, live sets with getting cut off and copyrights and all that stuff. But um, you know, that's one thing.
0: And shout out to DJs that you know personally whose stories also should be shared on this podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many, uh, DJ LS1, DJ Fur Fresh, DJ Element. Um, I mean, there's so many, man. So many guys that I came up under that I still have the privilege of working with today who they've been able to see me grow and rise over the past 13 years. And I'm, I've been very blessed to have some amazing tutelage uh, and and come up in the era that I came up in around real mixing, real DJs.
0: Awesome, man. We look forward to hearing their stories one day on the show. And any DJ wants to sign up, they can do so at djsignup.com. And, brother, where can people find you online or even in person if you're still doing events?
1: Uh, a Fly Guy on Instagram and Twitter. You know, if anybody has any questions or wants a little more insight into anything I mentioned today, feel free to send me a DM. Uh, I try my best to respond in a timely manner. And then, if you're ever in Miami, you know, just hit me up if you want to come party, you know, come have a drink on me, and, you know, we'll kill you.
0: Awesome, man. Hey, this has been a tremendous interview. Thank you for being so open and candid about your entire story. I enjoyed it and I know our audience enjoyed it as well. Everyone check out my brother DJ Fly Guy from Miami, Florida. He's doing a tremendous job and has a lot to come with his DJ journey. So thank yeah. you for so much for being with us today and we look forward to seeing you in the club. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the My DJ Story podcast. If you haven't already, please join our community by downloading the club app for free in the Google Play and App Store today. While you're there, do us a huge favor by giving us a five star rating and shoot us a message on Instagram telling us you did. I'd love to send you a free My DJ Story podcast t-shirt as a token of our appreciation. Thank you so much and we'll look forward to seeing you in the club.